0: The herd ran in fear, and the dark ones, children of the worm, walked the streets in the day. I turned my head from the sight. The phoenix told me, This is as it shall be, but not as it should. The phoenix left me then. Now I cannot dream. I can only remember the signs, each one in perfect detail. These are the last days. May Gaia have mercy on us. 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Werewolf the Apocalypse, a review podcast.
1: Welcome to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Werewolf the Apocalypse. And in this episode, we're going to be going over Rage Across Russia. And with me today, of course, as always, is uh, my handy-dandy, always Randy, Nick. Nick, how we doing? Randy, sir. Uh, Randy's just the name.
2: Oh, oh okay. Sorry, I, I misunderstood that.
1: <laughs> uh, it's, it has a double meaning. Depends on what you want to take from it. I was on a rhyme riff. Do you know how it goes?
2: No, no, I think uh, I think it's good,
1: and I think it works. Okay, okay, good. good. <laughs> uh, aside that, we're back from a decent break, man. Had a lot of fun with that. It's not the pod for it, but... Uh, Let's get to this book. There's a, there's a lot in it. Rage across Russia is, of course, the land of Baba Yaga. But before we get to her, let's talk about some legends of the Guru. What do we got here, Nick?
2: Uh, this is actually a pretty good story. Uh, it, it starts off with uh, the uh, the tale of Tsarevich Ivan and the and the gray wolf. Now I'm good. Gu- I'm guessing about Tsarevich, and based on the context, it sounds like these are these are princes or a title for prince. But there's a silver fang czar who has three children. None of them took the wolf, but they uh you know they they were kinfolk, regardless because of uh because of awesome breeding but uh, it gets to the point where he notices that some apples keep disappearing from his awesome garden, you know and it's a it's a guy it's a Gaia garden, so good apples um but he finds out that it's firebird keeps sneaking in at night and taking all the apples and uh and he he says to his three kids he says hey what i want you to do is i want you to go out there and uh you know like see Firebird taking these apples and and when you do just capture firebird right Just and bring him in here you know like uh i, I want to dealt with i'm tired of my apples going missing you know so the two older siblings uh uh take their first turn um they go and they sit down they fall asleep firebird comes in snags the apples same story for both of them right but the uh the third child who is ivan Zarevich Ivan or Prince Ivan, he goes in there. He does not fall asleep and he sees, you know, like firebird come in and he tries to climb up the tree and catch him. And he only ends up getting like a feather. And, uh, and, you know, the feathers awesome. It's like a, like an on fire feather, right? Shines brighter than any candle in the castle. Right. He's super excited about it. And he says, all right, well go get me the whole damn bird because I, I want it even more now. so he goes off, they, they go off on a quest to find this, uh, this crazy, uh, you know, place where the, where the firebird is. And as they go to the path, you know, there's like a a crazy pillar that says, Hey, if you go straight forward, you're going to, you're going to be hungry and cold. If you take the, the, uh, the right-hand path, we're just going to kill the, uh, the horse that you're on. But if you take the left-hand path, we'll kill you. And it's just an ominous road sign. So, you know, the dude's in a hurry. Our our boy Ivan, he takes the right-hand path and he heads down. And, uh, and, and for three days or so he rides. And then eventually he comes across this big gray wolf, and big gray wolf's like, like, Hey, you're on my path. You know, what's going to happen now. He jumps in, eats the guy's horse. And, uh, and then <laughs> says, Hey, bon voyage. Good luck. By the way, I noticed you stink of silver fang. And, uh, and, and the kid goes on, you know, continues on his journey. And eventually the, the wolf like it starts getting some real bad feelings. But I was like, all right, maybe I was a bit hard on the kid. He's got no horse. He's got to go all yeah, this way.
1: He ate his horse.
2: Yeah, there should be some bad feelings in that encounter. So he uh, he gives him a ride on his back, and they go to this big stone wall. And he's like, all right, so I know, I know for sure. Fire, uh, Firebird's just over that wall. He's in a golden cage. Do not touch that cage. Otherwise, you'll get caught. But otherwise, just sneak in there, grab the bird, and come back. So he climbs over the wall. He goes in there, sneaks in. He grabs the bird. And he he starts heading back and then he looks back. and He's like, I don't know. Waste a perfectly good golden cage. It's <laughs> gold. <laughs> he turns around, touches the cage. Alarms go off. All the soldiers come running out. No, he's running around in circles around there. He gets caught. Then they take him, take him to the czar and the, the czar sits him down and says, Hey, why are you sneaking around trying to steal my damn bird? And he says, Hey, you know, I got my father. Uh, he wants the bird. He's like, you should have just said that. I'd have given you it. And, uh, and then he's like, Oh no. He's like, but I tell you what, I'm not going to tell everyone you're sneaking a thief if you do me a favor. If you go over to the next place and <laughs> uh and in the 30th kingdom beyond the 29 lands, there's a golden mare. Well, it's it's a mare, with like a golden mane, right? And he's like, hmm, "Okay. I I can do that." So he gets, goes back to the wolf, right? Shows up empty-handed. Wolf's like, "Hey, where's the bird?" And he's like, "Well, cool story." So I touched the golden cage and the guy's like, "What the" <laughs> f- man, you- <laughs> You touched the golden cage. And uh and immediately the gray wolf's like, all right, all right, all right. Well, I'll take you, I'll take you over to the other kingdom. We'll go and we'll get the horse. So he takes him all the way over to the kingdom, goes to get the horse, right? He says, All right, there's the stables. Just go in there, grab the horse, and and just bring him out here. You're gonna see a golden bridle, but don't touch the golden bridle, okay? Just just bring the horse out and everything will be fine. And and Ivan looks at him, he's like, Okay, okay, all right, goes in there. You know, grabs the horse, starts walking, looks over at the bridle and says, well, I, I, it's a golden bridle. It's made of gold. <laughs> Reaches over, grabs the golden bridle. Alarms go off. Out come the guards. They storm around. You know, they all they circle them around. They capture him. They take him in front of the czar. The czar says, damn it. Why are you sneaking around inside my house trying to steal my horse? And he tells him the story. He's like, oh, well, I got to get the horse because I got to get the bird because I got to go to my dad. And he's like, you should have just said that. Not I gave you the horse. he's like but now i gotta tell everyone that you're a sneak i tell you what i won't tell everyone that you are a sneaky bastard if you go over to the next town you know in the thrice ninth land of the thrice tenth kingdom and you find elena the
1: fair and you bring her to me stop me when this doesn't sound like every player group ever it's awesome keep going Uh, i love it it. it's
2: it's a keen insight sir keen insight (laughs) so he goes back to the wolf the wolf says, hey, where's the horse? And he tells me the story. And the wolf's like, man, why didn't you try to grab the bridle? I told you not to grab the bridle. <laughs> and he's like, I know, I know, I know, I know. So I got to do this. I got to do that. It's like, oh, man. All right. Well, because you're a silver fang, we'll, we'll go. All right. Get it on my back. Takes him all the way to the, the thrice ninth land of the 10th kingdom, whatever it is. And he says, OK, buddy, you wait right here. Right here. Right here. You sit under this tree. You don't move. I'll be right back. Goes over, <laughs> jumps over the gate, starts sniffing around, finds Lady, grabs her, jumps back over the gate, and he goes back to Ivan. And Ivan's like, awesome, you got her. Okay, we'll go. The two of them hop on the back of the wolf, start heading back to the uh, to the previous czar, right? Well, unfortunately, the two of them get to talking on the way, and they decide <laughs> that they are the greatest couple that ever was. Oh, right? Like you do. Oh, yeah. Like Sonny and Cher.
1: You're running the back of a wolf. Who's better than
2: you? I, I'm sorry. It's a uh, it's love true love, love. I mean, that you're only going to find that in the back of a wolf. And so <laughs> so that's where they found it, of course. And and they head back. And and suddenly, like Ivan's Ivan's there. They're, they're sitting right outside the, the castle. And he looks at the wolf. He's like, I can't do it. She's the love of my life. I don't know how to do it. There's no way around it. I, what are we going to do? And the wolf just looks at me. He shakes his head. He's like, fine. All right. Here's the deal. I, I'll turn myself into her. I'll just transform into her. You guys go hide down the road, right? Um, hide down the road. You give her, you get the, you get the horse and then, uh, and then, and then you guys head off and I'll, I guess in a day or so I'll try and escape her or whatever it is. And he's like, all right, all right. As long as, as long as you can be passable. So the wolf transforms, looks just like her top to bottom Spitting spitting image, right? Like, uh, you know, like uses the napkin when she eats and everything. Right, and uh, he's like, okay. So they go in. They show it to the czar. The czar takes a look. He's like, awesome. Here, have my horse. Guy takes the horse with the golden mane and starts riding off. Goes, meets up with the princess uh, off in the woods, and the two of them climb on the horse and they start riding away. And as sure as is told, you know, after a day or so, the the wolf in guise of Elena the Fair decides that uh, he uh, he he wants to go outside and just you know trample about the fields, you know, and, and, you know, dance through the lilacs or whatever he tells it. And the guy, of course, so stricken with her says, absolutely no problem. Hey, goes out, turns back into a wolf, runs off. Nobody can catch him. Um, another day down the road, he catches up with the two of them on the golden horse. And, uh, and he says, all right, climb back on my back. You, you take the horse. We'll, we're, we're going to go. And, and so they go, they, they go to the kingdom to deliver the horse so they can get the firebird. Finally, And they take it back to dad, right? But you know, as they get there, um, Ivan's looking at the horse. He's like, you know, that's a—it's a golden horse. Like the whole, the mane—it's all gold. And at this point, why
1: doesn't the wolf eat him?
2: Right, just a lot of just eat his ass. (laughs) The wolf just looks back at him and says, "Really? Are you really fine? I'll, I'll, I'll turn into the horse. You take me in there. You get the bird, and then you get the hell out of here, right?" I'll meet you down the road, whatever. And and the guy's like, really? All right. Yeah. Okay. We'll do that. We'll do that. And uh, so he takes them in there. They take the horse. They go out into the woods and he, he delivers the fake horse, I, i.e. the wolf, to the czar. And, uh, and the czar's like, oh, great. You got the horse. It's amazing. Here, take my flaming bird. All right. Now <laughs> get the hell out of here. And, and he does that, right? He gets the bird, gets the cage. Everything is great. He's heading off. Gets on the golden horse. Gets the lady. Throws her on back. They ride off. A day later, boom! Here comes the wolf again. Back as normal. Catches up with them. Says, "Hey, you get on my back. You get on the horse. All right, let's go." They get all the way back to this to this ominous road sign, you know. And he's like, "All right, well, here's where it is. It's a good enough place. Um, I have, I you know, I've done the best I can. I wish you all the best of luck." and they're like oh no you've been outstanding you've transformed in all kinds of things you took us everywhere we wanted to go oh it was like a pumpkin carriage ride for a princess and the guys like huh. outstanding well i'm out of here and he goes well the two of them they decide they're super tired from their from their long journey so they're just going to oh, sit down here and, and, and take a little nap take a little nap before they you know before the final leg of the journey and they make it they make it home right but uh, but who happens to stumble upon them well the two brothers who've been out hunting for all of these treasures the whole time and have had no luck. They go there. They see the little brother. They see the beautiful woman. They see the golden horse. And they see the damn firebird. And they're like, all right, that's enough of this. One of them just goes up, stabs him in the heart, stabs Ivan in the heart, kills him dead on the spot. Old lady wakes up, starts screaming. They put the knife to her throat, said, hey, you're going to tell everyone that we did all this. We're amazing. You're going to marry us. And she's like, uh, OK. <laughs> and then and then they decide to head back on off to the castle, laying there dead. Our good old friend Ivan. But it just so happens that the wolf comes by and he sees dead Ivan, dead Ivan, been dead for a month, just sitting there, dead Ivan. And he's like, OK, I, I, I can see you've been
1: dead for a month.
2: <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, you know, there's nothing I can do. I don't have any magic to revive. you.
1: By the way, your your retelling is way better than reading it. Just keep going into Go it. A-
2: so he's like, I don't I don't have any magic to, to revive you. He's like, so I tell you what I'm gonna do. I know some shady ass birds. So I'm just gonna sit here. I'm gonna wait. The shady ass birds are gonna come. They're gonna start plucking at you. And, and, and sure as shit, as, as he's waiting there, the birds come down. They start plucking at him. And he runs over and he snaps one of them in his jaws. And he says, what are you doing in my land? <laughs> Who gave you the right come in here, sneaking around and doing all kinds of shady stuff? And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. He's like, I'm not giving you your bird friend back. Until you go fly all the way over to this weird-ass place, and you go to the well of life and death, and you bring me uh, water from the the well of life and water from the well of death. And it's like, all right, you got me. I'll be (laughs) back. Three days later, Crow comes back with two vials of water. Drops the two vials of water. once, once for death, once for life. He uncorks the death one. Pours it on our friend. And all of a sudden, his guts start sucking back inside of him, and his body starts stitching back together. And he's like, all right, now for the one of life. Horse that in him suddenly old bright eyes Ivan wakes up looks around says hey where's my girl where's my horse where's my fly bird and the and the wolf says ha got you again what are you doing he's like your brothers came by they killed you you got to go back to the (laughs) the castle they're gonna marry your lady and he's like how long have I been dead he's like too long you better run tell you what get on my back I'll take you it's like a Warner's brother cartoon (laughs) so he gets on his back starts taking him. The guy heads off and gets back to the castle. It's the wedding ceremony. Oh, such divine providence, the timing of this. He gets in there. He walks into the feast hall. Old girl stands up, goes, hallelujah, throws her hands up, starts running to the gate. She's like, this is my man. He's the one who did all the awesome stuff, all the birds, all the horses, everything. He got it all. And suddenly the the king's like, what are you talking about? She's like... Your stupid sons stabbed him in the in the woods and then made me marry them. And he uh he burst into a fit of rage, goes into Krinos, rips them apart. And that's the end of our lovely story. Huh.
1: By the way, that was the Russian retelling of Aladdin, right? The genie's just the wolf. I just want to point that out. That's uh, you know, shades of story and, and you know, That's that's what I got from you know, good to Aesop's fables there. Um, I like that story a lot because it uh it, it talks about well some of the themes here, right? They roll into the introduction of, of Mother Russia there, and uh, they talk about the folly of pride, uh, the fact that um, what we know of Russia here for the werewolf perspective is that they're basically a bunch of uh, we'll just call it a series of events where the werewolves tried their best, as always, to keep the worm from encroaching on this raw uh, land of nature of Gaia, and uh, they even say that even we we kept the mighty Baba Yaga in check in the end. Uh, We thought we had destroyed her, right? That's something they mentioned there. Uh, Because the the Folly of Pride, when they start talking about it, they use a unique addressment. It's not like they say, hey, you who bought this book, this is the writers talking to you. They do it in character. And it kind of tell you a story of woes and a generalization of what goes on. But they talk about the Folly of Pride and the Price of Pride being themes in this book. And again, the whole point of this is heroes, right? An element of hope is uh, what they want to bring to this book in and of itself. And uh, yeah. that's interesting, right? Because we went from the Amazon, which is all about war, and that's that feeling of war, and that's there. You would think this book is that way, too. And I suppose, in a way, it is. But ultimately, it's about hope. And I would argue redemption. That possibility is dangled the dangled carrot. It, that's exactly what it is. I mean, you got to remember,
2: the, the Silver Fangs thought they won in Russia. They thought they had it nailed down so tight Nothing was getting out like they had scrubbed every surface like, you know, like hot ladies coming over. They got everything cleaned up. They got the herd did right. They got their aftershave on like no mistakes, but they're walking out here. And soon they notice that, uh, you know, they got like a like toilet paper stuck to their shoe. You know, there's a hole in their pants somewhere like just tiny little flaws start popping out everywhere until the whole date night's ruined.
1: And that's just how it goes. (laughs) <laughs> uh, to say it to say it well it's we'll leave that where it is for now um but in terms of how to use this book um they tell you that reach cross rush is intended for werewolf but it incorporates elements from vampire the masquerade Well, i'd say heavily there's there's in here for you could do your own vampire chronicle if you wanted to
2: and and why wouldn't you
1: right why wouldn't you include it at that point why baba yaga is an aspiratu legendary right we're we're aware of her and her great power and it's talked about in myth and legend and thrown around a bit and now this is the book it's in. What will shock you is the story of Baba Yaga. What will shock you is that this starts from, well, from innocence, we'll say. And we'll we'll get to her. Uh, of course, we'll cover her here later on. Uh, but let's talk about whose war is this, right? Is this a, is this a thing where it's a war about uh, werewolves battling the Baba Yaga? Is it a thing about vampires who are trying to get, you know, to free the Russian people according to a nefarious plan? Is it about mages who are fighting for territory lost from your... And and doing whatever we, we can say yes yeah and, yep. and c- cover it all right it's it's all here now what they st- what they what they strike up here is that Russia's in a precarious position where the environment has been systemically devastated there's so many disasters that have happened here that uh, the worm is kind of a con- not, not even a, the term consequence doesn't do it justice like inevitability is what I feel is is what goes here because there's so much conflict here in this territory and just what they've had to fight and battle to get. And what's been taken from them, that even sitting back and thinking of the nefarious male Incarna, and Karna, uh, those urges uh, from uh, Malpheus itself, uh, they were just fed by what happened here. And it starts with the Guru, right? That's the thing. Now, before you think, oh, wait a second, how does, it, how does it start with the Guru? Well, let's just say that the Guru were oppressing people with the impergium, right? Let's go with that first. Remember, the impergium was all about the Guru making sure that humans didn't overpopulate, that they did not um dishonor gaia or develop these bad habits basically they didn't develop that was the whole point if you think about it in, in simplistic sense apply little logic a group of barbarians being forced to breed and and keep a populace according to the ways of savage werewolves well yeah that's controllable because you'll kill the excess right kind of govern where they go but there's a point where that doesn't seem to be the right thing to do and that's what the uh the russian Silverfangs get to they more or less see that there's a way of being that they don't have to do anymore and this leads them, this leads them astray and humans being what they are. We do nothing if not survive and adapt and we breed out of control. It's that simple. The industrial revolution does a lot of damage for this. And that's one of the main things they, they stamp on here is pointing out the fact that, you know, if you think about it, the influence of the worm, as it comes in and does it to the mortals and fuels that engine, uh, that is the aftermath of the Impergium. It's solely to get the mortals caught up as fast as they can to get those more destructive tools and elements. Because they gotta use the land to do it. And to, you know, the dangers that have occurred, nuclear power being one of the one of the bigger drives for it on these vast tracks of land. There's resources that they're just learning to become viable, and they were behind, as it seemed to the rest of the world. And the worm is nothing if not creative in inspiring mortals to do what mortals will want to do anyway. And at the backdrop of all this, you have werewolves trying to justify their own kinfolk and this is the cool part of this book talks about how the worlds can't come in and control their kinfolk i mean they're their kinfolk they can guide them they can order them to a certain extent but they are humans they do live in the real world and there are more kinfolk than there are werewolves and that's not to say the kinfolk would rise up but it is to say they consider them a resource and a prized one they would lead them from danger they would counsel them accordingly but the whole of the populace of humankind has a hold on what they're doing in other words. Werewolves apparently are just as held hostage as vampires are in terms of they're at their mercy. So I want to highlight this again. Werewolves can't dominate and control mortals. They can't. Can't more than vampires can. They can only influence what's going on. And to them, the mortals are going to do what they're going to do. And they just hammer that home Every big event uh, in the history of Russia, uh, one of them being it talks about the wolf population uh, peaked to about 150,000 prior to World War II, And then control measures were instituted uh, after the war, resulting in the killing of over 40,000 wolves in Russia uh, with with some guru added to that mix as well. And this is because bullets were a factor. Uh, they did, did horrible things as bullets, grenades. Target practice was, was all the norm. They even use gunships to fly around and actually take out the wolf populace. It's horrible, and uh, they dwindled those numbers down to about sixty to seventy thousand. And uh, I believe it's an economic crisis that dwindles that back. Like that's the only thing that stops them from extinction is the fact that there was no longer a focus of monetary value. To they had other stuff to worry about. Let's just call it what it is, and and a distraction spares the wolves that. But they of course scatter. Uh, Humans are very dangerous in this uh, kind of pool of what goes on. They describe that turmoil in the introduction, just so you know. Right, we're going to detail it, but. Just so you know, this is what you're getting into when you get this book. This is not a nice story. This is not a story of how they have a beautiful patch of land and Gaia's there and they come and hug Gaia and she teaches them how to make tea and they tell stories of the dangers of going out in the wild and it gets cold and that's where the worm is and knights will form and we'll send the knights out to handle the danger. And no, this is, this is the shadow curtain. This is the, this is the evil of Baba Yaga and the armies of the night and the cairns are dwindling and being attacked isolated and wiped out that's what this book's about your players start there in another way this book is for those players who get that it is a world of darkness that they are playing the heroes and that whatever pack they make is a pack that would have to get along to defy what they're being placed in to do well would you agree with that nick
2: i would say that uh the the entire draw of this book is the gloomy despair of it all like uh this book is like they cite the sources for it like Tolstoy. And uh, and Solzhenitsyn and, and different different people like that 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 have just horrific and terrible di- disparity in their writing and uh, and I think that uh, that that really nails the the theme of it together when you're playing a Russian game hopelessness should be part of it and uh, and building a a group of players that are that are designed to be in that that are going to make the hard choices I think is the entire draw of of even trying to play a campaign in this.
1: I want to make one distinction. Nick and I are not saying Russia sucks. We're not saying that. Far from it. And in fact, we'll talk about the people later. If anything, I hope you're getting the point that the people are very hardy and are very defiant. And they find any way they can to persevere, no matter the era, uh to, to work it out. There's always somebody rising up to create a progression, no matter what tragedy befalls them. And that very much speaks to the hardiness of the Russian people, uh the temerity and I would say the verisimilitude of them as well. Uh to throw that all into one one big pot. And uh, because of that, that's something that should be noted—a head nod to them—in the fact that they're able to the accomplish. Dictionary today, so that's that's just <laughs> vocabulary, man. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's the that's the appeal of uh, the Russian people. But they're looking from uh, when you're looking from the werewolf, mage, and vampire perspective, they gotta focus on those and the mortal half we're getting into here when we get into the history. And uh, we'll dive into the history a bit. We're not trying to cover every bit of it. But we want to give you a taste of it as it relates to the supernals in the area. And this, of course, starts with the, the time of czars, right? Yep. And what a czar is, is basically, it's a word more or less that's derived from Rome and Caesar. It's czar is their version, uh, as they throw it out there. It's the same, same more or less, totalitarian power there. Um, but this starts with the fact that the Slavs, ancestors of modern Russian people, lived in the northern forests. You know, nomadic tribes of wandering barbarians is how they were described. And uh, the Silver are were with them. They were walking with them, keeping an eye on them. And just one day they decided that it's uh, just a decision to not honor the Imperium anymore, that these people are not going to evolve if we keep having to coddle them.
2: It's really interesting because the only other place you've seen this so far to date is with uh, with talk from the Pure Land's tribes. Right. Where they are like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sit them down. We're going to teach them how to be one with Gaia. We're going to watch over them. And we're just not going to we're, we're going to quit like running in circles around the village and grabbing anyone who, you know, like stumbles out of the circle drunk. And, and we're just going to, you know, like sit them down and be like, hey, this is how you should live your life. And we're going to breed with them. We're going to treat them as kinfolk. We're going to be, you know, as unto one.
1: The, the argument, I not even argument, the idea I always have here is this reminds me of the Garden of Eden a lot. Right. Why would you eat the the fruit of knowledge? Why would you do that? Um, nobody. Oh, well, the devil led me to do it. Did he? There was well, fruit. You were curious. The Garden of There's Eden door.
2: only ever serves. As a point to fall from.
1: Right. And that's exactly what the Imperium is. The Imperium is a point to fall from. When it was utopian, everything was great. Why would you stop it? It implies that the worlds were tainted, right, somehow. Or it implies that maybe they were um, open-minded. Or maybe this is all <laughs> supposed to happen, right? This is, this is part of how the machine was set in motion. If you are of five forms, and they include human and wolf, um, sure, you may have started as wolf. because was in the wild, it was useful. And then the wild and everything in harmony, but after a while, that human side kicks in, and you're around humans enough to see that as they develop, eventually you meet in the middle, and you see what goes on. You feel for them. That the empathy starts to kick in less than the instinct, and before you know it, you're like, okay, let's see what they do. Right? That always made sense to me. But that seems to be part of the math of them, and, and the Imperium itself. And the Silver fings highlight this. They said, all right, we're, we're gonna reverse what we decided to do with the Imperium. And here's what we're gonna do. We're charged with two responsibilities now, and that's teaching the humans respect for Gaia and protecting humanity from the corruption of the Worm. We do these two things. They'll be just okay. We'll be just fine. We'll live in harmony. And for a time, that was absolutely correct. They went around and did their thing. They made sure they were amongst the nobility. They were always breeding with those kinfolk and keeping it pure. Had it going on. Uh, the shamans, if you will, their mystics, as they call them, uh, sat amongst them and uh, made sure the kinfolk families knew their place, knew what guy it was, and honored the Earth Mother and continued on, so on and so forth, through many aristocracies. However, Russia seeks to become an empire, as as all good civilizations do. When everything's great, we seek to expand, right? More territory, more land.
2: There's always some jerk who comes in out of nowhere and decides he wants to get everybody together, and they all want to work together, and then (laughs) make something into something bigger. Everybody was just fine when they were all separate tribes scattered throughout everywhere.
1: This is no different. I hear they talk about the danger of the Scandinavian people, and that is that... You know they don't leave anything untouched. Basically, there's a Slavic tribes Novogorod, under a Scandinavian chief begins the um, well the Russian Empire. Uh, the chief called Rorik, kinfolk of the Get of Fenris, because the Get can't get enough negative press.
2: Here's the so- thing too, like Novogorod, it's not like really that close to to Scandinavia. Not okay. only is it not near the ocean or a sea, it's way down a river. So man, you know how them them Scandinavians like the. Like the raid.
1: Do not forget, though. It's, it's the Kaivin, Kaivin Rus was the goal of the Scandinavians. right? We learned that from Transylvania, where, where that river was used a big trading thing between uh, yep. Byzantium and, of course, coming all the way out to Russia. It yep. went back and forth. And that was the point. And so the Scandinavians knew of this place, came down here, and they traded there. That's why they were there. But the Russians here couldn't get it done, right? Well, let me take that back. They're not officially the Russian Empire yet, and they're kind of scattered still. And the way they have it is that this is just sort of... A, a turmo a tumultuous time. We'll just leave it at that. And so eventually though, guy comes along, says, Hey Rourke, can you help us out? We're looking to get this done and kind of kind of have someone to rule. He says, Yeah, I'm a part of it. Let's get this done. And as Rourke seeks to expand the empire of the Russian the Russian Empire, uh, Oleg comes along as his successor and kind of takes over. And they move the capital from Novogorod to Kiev, which is a big trading hub, right? Yeah. So big that they eventually attack Constantinople. But in attacking Constantinople, what happens? They don't sack it, they attack it and see what's there. They inevitably get into a treaty with them, and then they begin trading with them, and then they start getting culture. They start learning the value of things and of reading and education and, you know, everything else that happens when you get civilized, and that's that's what goes on. Because the
2: Romans are civilized people, and they're not just going to sit there and allow you to bash yourself against their walls. They're going to sit you down. They're going to show you what tea is, maybe show you some fabrics. You can explain to them how you get all those fancy furs you've
1: got. <laughs> Everyone sees you with the furs. And actually, the rest of the bunch of the people are like, how do I get my lady in those furs? I want furs for me. I, too, want an earring. I don't know. I imagine everything looked <laughs> pimping back then. That was not just a sack of potatoes, right? And you, and you move on. However, as this burgeoning period of prosperity starts going on, the Silver things are like, kick ass. Our plan's working. Vladimir comes along. And Vladimir's the youngest of three brothers vying for the throne, right? And he won his position with the aid of the Scandinavians, or at this time they're called the Varangians. And the Scandinavians were more or less like, yeah, we'll help you. We'll take it. Great. We could trade. Fantastic. See you later. Right? That's basically they're here and they're out. (laughs) Which makes sense. We did what we said we were going to do. We're taking our frankincense and myrrh. We're getting the hell out of here. (laughs) Our frankincense and myrrh. (laughs) We're taking their out. And that's just how it goes. And uh, what's weird about Vladimir, let me say, what's. let me tell you what they say about Vladimir in Transylvania Chronicles. They say he ha- and they put it in quotations. He has a very interesting way with women, right? What they say here flat out is that Vladimir is a bastard, right? He's, he's also known for his notorious womanizing and for raping his brother's wife. Like, put that in your footnote, Silver Fangs, for you being number one, right? And that might be the first sign that uh, there's, there's something wrong with their whole show them the ways of Gaia. It's stopping the worm from getting to <laughs> their people, right? We're dropping the ball a bit at this point however his big thing was that he was trying to convert to well he was converting to christianity he made a big show of going to a whole bunch of different religions and trying them out but he didn't want to give up pork and he didn't want to give up uh wine or the two and, and big I things that he had him, right yeah, there you go I, you right? got to
2: maintain your tribe right you give up those kind of things everyone's gonna start looking at you like all right he's got the sickness in the head he's a little he's touched we need to set him down over here you know give him the good rock
1: <laughs> uh, but his conversion comes with uh with a uh, A connection, right? He was only really doing it because the Byzantine Emperor's uh, sister is Anna, right? If he could marry her, which is what he wanted, uh that's 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 golden, right? Apparently she was a looker, caught his eye, what have you. Or it could be the emperor's sister, right? So the direct line, thumbs up, right? The emperor only permitted Vladimir converted, so Vladimir converted. Russia becomes part of Europe. However, this marriage was also an important political alliance, right? And because of it, Vladimir was declared a saint. So I'll leave that with you. That left a bitter taste in my mouth about Vladimir.
2: Hey, Did all that, listen. it was a bit... He's a saint of free trade with Scandinavia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. So the <laughs> treaty with Byzantium opened up a way into Russia for the venture clan as well, right? This is uh, very important. We know that with Russia. You want to know how they got over here. It was on the backs of mortals making certain treaties and inroads to do that. But they also attracted the attention of the Zemis and the Shadowlands of Eastern Europe and Germany. However, I would like to add a to that. We know that they're giving you minimal detail from a world perspective. If you remember uh, the Transylvania by Night book, they talk about how that really happened. The Zamis are coming to Kaivin Rus' and were raiding it, like forever and a day. We're raiding it. The Mongols came in and sacked that town, which kind of curbed the Zamis going in to do something with it. Right? Hard to do it when a whole bunch of Mongols come over, chop off everybody's head, stack them up in a big pile, scare everybody off. Yeah. Uh, the Shadowlords put an end to that and came down on top of the zamis as well, and have been fighting the zamis ever since. So both those groups, the Shadowlords and Zemis, calmed down and start allowing their servants to come into Kaivin Rus' because everyone understood this is an important trade hub no matter what you do. Like, you're in mortals, and each check it out. You're up in the mountains in Hickville, not paying attention to what's going on down here, but we just had, we just had Scandinavians come down here and settle the whole region, brought prosperity. You don't go raid that because you'll bring so much danger on what we got going on. All right, no problem. Now we're going to send in our people to slowly fight these kinfolk of the Silverfangs to try to take over the area. And the Shadow Lords want to play that game, too. And that's an adventure. Apparently, the kings of doing this, naturally. They're stepping in here, too. Yep. So this is where this book shows you this is not just the werewolf perspective. It's really how the forces are colliding here. However, the power of superstition and strength of the old religion faded with the advent of the Russian Orthodox Church. We know this, right? Christianity is a huge proponent of silencing all pagan beliefs and it's, you know, deus both God wills it, right? We're going to see it through the end at the tip of a sword if need be and... You're going to eat a wafer and you're going to drink some wine. We said so. However, the church is uh, the greatest cultural force in Russia as well. And there's nowhere to look to to even defy it. And the silver things are pissed, right? Because you know what? The church isn't for the earth mother, right? Number one, not at all. You're forcing people to convert the tip of a sword. That's absolutely what the worm is about. Might makes right. That's how is this not? Oh, this sucks. And the silver thing turned around and said, it wasn't our fault to get offenders to blame for this because Vladimir, who started all this is a kinfolk of the get <laughs> right you just point the finger you piece of shit that's your bed and it's like god okay what, it's our bed again well because he he dealt with scandinavians Hey, a mean, second
2: you just know the get offenders are like sitting in the corner and they just cross their arms it's not my fault your people are weak
1: right if people are weaker they're trying to do the math it's like, wait a second wasn't it you you had a guy you had a kinfolk who originally dealt with the scandinavians said hey come help us out and they're like no no that was your kinfolk that was your kinfolk who did that well right but we were cool at Okay, all right. I guess when you're right, you're right. We don't want to argue anymore. Just we'll we'll let that be what it is. And so regardless, the Kaivin Russe becomes a focus, right? And um, in Kaivin Russe, they they introduce a form of rulership that's uh, a three political tier, right? You have uh, a prince, you have the boyars who form an oligarchy, and then you have the veche, And uh, that's basically the town assembly. That's the people. Yeah, Why the Veche are important is because they more or less, this is how the glass walkers make an inroad. Through using the Veche and getting in good in uh, Kyivan Rus, the people are the largest representative, right? There are estimates in the early 1100s that Kiev had forty to 50,000 people in it, while Novogorod, which was the capital once upon a time, had only ten to 15,000 at that time. Commerce was the reason for that. And because yeah. of those numbers and that spike, you have way, the aristocracy has always been the smallest percentage of populace that had the greatest of wealth and power. And it's on the backs of, well, the, the Is It's that simple. And the Glasswalkers knew it. So did the Bonars, as they start working in tandem here. But it's the Glasswalkers who are the most importance, because here's where trade came from. Here's where, uh, excuse me, uh, guild work came from. Uh, things of that nature, as we're starting to spring up and catch with everybody else. And those important distinctions start happening. Then we're going to skip some here cuz I want to make this an entire historical rendition, but I want to point out a couple things. One, you have the Silverfinks so invested in this area that anything that happens that is good, Silverfangs take credit for. It. Anything that bad that happens is the Shadow Lords fault, right? It's the Shadow Lords or it's the Get. Yep. That's that's the two tribes that, are, that basically get blamed for everything. Strangely, the Get kind of nod their head. I'll tell you why the Get nod their head i feel it's a very this is bob's uh, prejudice here in this regard i feel it's a very scandinavian uh germanic thing to do to say you say it's our fault okay the first guy was our kin he did use the scandinavians we did come in and start this off all right it is right no matter what they did that first thing no problem and so they decide to help the silver fangs but the silver fangs is that madden king who will never understand that you keep beating your most loyal dog yeah right that's That did. Why are you doing that? And it just looks to be insane to everybody that they keep freaking doing it and they give no, they give no credit. Why? And that dog stays loyal. Why? And there's, there's no way to note that except when you think of the stoicism, the sense of honor and sort of a traditional overhaul. I mean, it's not like they're powerless, right? We know the get love conflict. They love proving themselves. They love proving they're the strongest. And this too seems to be a test of will. More than is of strength, right? Like they will persevere despite what you say. We will help the Silver things and you will succeed because we back you is the feeling I get the way this is written. Problem is the Silver things are insane. I mean, we'll get we'll get more
2: in on it later, but there's uh there's signs of things coming down the pipe.
1: So basically launching this forward, Kai Bruce gets it, starts being pulled apart, right? They're trading partners, the Greeks, the Germans, and Persians. Bad stuff happens, you can read about it. It's not like it's the, the end all be all, but we got more book to get to. Yep. And it sort of tells you sunrise, sunset of how these stories go. That very much follows it. What we won't skip over is the Hanseatic League, just to mention it. Do pay attention to this merchant uh, conglomerate that dominates for three centuries. Very important in this area. Does quite a bit. And uh, they uh, they mention it here because it does honor to what happened. (coughs) Excuse me. I want to also note the uh, rise of, uh, well, Ivan the Terrible. Ivan the Terrible is an interesting person to have read about uh in this book from their rendition and it's because his reign is uh it's crazy.
2: Well even it's it's important, right? Because this is exactly where the Silver Fangs start putting the, you know, taking credit again. This is when we see the czar title come back. This is when we see Silver Fangs be like, these are our kin folk. They're doing it right. In comes Ivan the Terrible.
1: And man does he come in, right? What what does he do? Ivan's paranoid as it gets. He can't trust anybody with the way it's working out. And he decides that he's going to make this, this group of people, um, his, uh, Nicky, which is personal bodyguard or a political army that he makes that travels with him to sort of tell everybody he doesn't trust them and basically put them to the test. If they're found wanting, he kills them. Like, like, what do you mean, Bob? Well, let's just start with a simple one. Um, let's stick to the one we've been talking about. He goes to Novogorod and, uh, kills 42,000 people there with his group, the Oprah They go in there and do that. If the Oprah stick out in your head at this time, they weren't a thought. They were not the Revenant group that's uh, available now with the V20 update with the Zemis, right? They, that, that is a real thing now, though. And I wondered why that stuck out in my head and where it came from. And on a whim, as we're researching and boom, we see it. And it's just showing how they do connect the dots and they do honor the material that came before. And that's, that's a historical reference, by the way, where the old bridge sneaky come from. That's clearly their inspiration. And I do feel they fit strongly in there that the Zemis would preserve some of them based off what this crazy guy did, Ivan. and uh. That's, that's that. That's the, that's the mention here. Um, he also does something I think is, is unforgivable. In the 1580s, he decides to send uh, an entire family out to, to get uh, 800, or sends 800 people out to the Siberian uh, landscape to search for fur, right? Just to kill and bring fur back, which angers the resident red talons, right? Wait, what? It How? Really, How? Just did it. He told the <laughs> boss, said, hey, go out there and get fur and come back. Well, if it's 800 people out there searching for fur, they're killing wolves, they're killing bunnies, they're killing anything, mountain goats. Th- they'll anything shoot they the trees. Bring right <laughs> anything that has furs that they were sent out there to get it, and Ivan sent them guess what they're doing they're bringing back some fur and uh the red towns were like no you can't do that yeah we well, they did and you did nothing with it right there's nothing you could have done to stop it at that point but try to preserve the kinfolk you could, and kind of get out of town now there's other manning things that happen um a guy named dimitri uh, we will get to that later too uh but or we'll leave that for you. Really, that's more. Oh, what other things could possibly go on? The next big jump and a thing that is marked as the period of weakness is they talk about the venture placed Catherine II, known as Catherine the Grin, on the throne of Russia. This shakes the foundations of power for the Silverfangs Fangs. One hundred percent. Yep. For what they have going on, they 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 slept in the venture. They forgot all about it. And Kath in the grade, well, she's the great for a reason. And as she's up there, they, they have no end of problems of how to stop it. There's well, she, just nothing she
2: invites in, you know, industry, right? It's like, hey, bring it on. We're going to have factories coming in and, and different things. Have you heard about these steam engines?
1: And we're talking to venture dealing with Guru and they're talking to glasswalkers and they're like, hey, steam engines are good. You like guns. Uh, you like running water. House heat that you don't necessarily have to get from just this source or that source. Or how about light? Have you thought about that much? And as they start talking to them and people are nodding their head that these are good things, they start making concessions with well, the venture. And anyone who's anyone knows the Ventrue always makes strong deals. It benefits their partners, but it always benefits them more. That's sort of the sweet deal of the venture. And uh this is this proves to be a strength that Catherine has that uh they, they can't contend with. Um they also learned there are all sorts of uh well, let's just say people they didn't contend with to be there. First off being the fact that you had the bonars and and the Bruja. Lead a revolt using the Bolsheviks to come in and storm everything. Yeah, right. To try to try to kill their aristocracy, wipe it out, get rid of it. You know, do everything they can to make that happen, and we're nearly hundred percent successful. And uh it gets stopped, as all things do. The revolution calms down a bit, but it's because the bruja turn against themselves. Right, as all things go. If I start a revolution with Nick, and we're both the leaders of it, eventually. Um, the theory is is that power will go to our heads, we will both disagree and split the revolt. And now we're two armies facing each other to have the cream rise to the top. That's typically how those things go. And that's that's what they're looking for. And that revolution's a big pivotal point. But what happens is when the bonar is being involved with it, they let the Bruja fight in war and the is always burn a torch for it, right? Which is a very cool thing. The Bonars have a, a a we look out for everybody mentality. By the way, that everybody includes the the vampires that agree and go with them, right? The Communist Manifesto is one of the things that they they definitely believe in, kind of die on a hill for it. It's Marx's principle here, and uh, the Bruja go with them. And uh, those brouhaha who do, they kind of have an agreement in the city that goes against the glasswalkers that the silver things don't agree with. You could see how this stacks against them, right? Yep. You start seeing all sides going, well, who's ruling what? Well, the answer is nobody at this point. That It does devalue the power they had. But the power does shift to the people, it seems. And the people have a strong voice. Then to give you the weirdest event that has happened, the Tunguska Blast. Nick, I felt that you know a lot about the Tunguska Blast.
2: Man, for real, like for real, real, I do. Like, this this was not a surprise to me. Of course I was aware of this. It's one of the few times we have any recorded evidence of a meteorite striking the planet. But in here, meteorite striking the planet? What are you talking about? This is the place where a wizard fought a dragon. What game am I playing?
1: <laughs> so so what is the Tunguska Blast? Uh, the Tunguska Blast
2: is just this large area of space where, like, all the trees got knocked over by this giant concussion wave in the middle of nowhere Siberia, right? And, uh, and it's, it's interesting because you can pull up pictures of it where the trees, like, righted themselves and started growing back up. And they got these weird, like, curved bow shaped to them. Uh, it's the most one of the most interesting places you'll ever see if, if, you, if you catch pictures of these of just this uh well a natural disaster
1: what i enjoy is the book tries to tell you a number of theories of advance right the core of a comet might have hit the surface of the earth a passing ufo might have had a tragic accident
2: oh yeah uh-huh.
1: like a tra- ufo would have had a tragic accident it's a did you refill gas no i've been drinking selenium all night i don't know what that would have happened with the specific ufo uh some possibly a black hole hitting the planet like uh,
2: somebody doesn't know what the black holes are
1: right like just oh <laughs> mini one just hit and that's all that happened oh interesting you just want to clean my house bullet <laughs> so however what they tell you exactly happens where this came from is that the blast was a result of an epic battle between a yakut dream speaker mage and trevero a draconic Zmi. Who had broken the magical bonds holding him there. The mage eventually won the battle, right? Some Utena performed an ancient rite, almost forgotten rite, to bind Trevero again. And more on the Zemi later, but that's what actually happened there. I found it funny because the placement in the book for this is like, here's the history, the Tunguska, the Tunguska blast, and now let's talk about a revolution. Uh, yeah,
2: it was just a small aside. And they go and they talk about this in depth again later so it's like why would they just do this random aside be like hey we know you're super tired of hearing about communist madness so we're going to take a little break we're going to give you a chuckle and we're going to push you on down the road
1: it's completely weird completely weird um so just to modernize this point actually did mention the vampire points were interesting here too is after that revolution and, you know, the sort of calms down, the Bruja have to pick a side of who won. Uh, the Bonars start losing control of what they helped create. Yep. And this allows the Bruja a chance to come in again. Now, the reason why it's very simple, when you think of an immortal timeline, it's natural, right? The living who age are not going to hold the principles forever because the youth will always dictate the for, you know, forwarding a progression of progression of how everyone lives. And that's sort of just how it goes, right? Children are our future. However, if you're a vampire near you're the Bruja <laughs> who lived through that era and have now healed, there's no way you're gonna let certain sleeping dogs lie. And what they did was that the Brewer found out about the guru ties of the aristocracy, kinfolk living among the peasants, and the extensive organization of the gang girl Ravno and Nas fairly quickly. And as quickly as they found out, they unite, right? They unite under that principle that caused them to, to, to run around with the Bolsheviks and Bonars, and they decide to start assassinating and ripping these people apart. We're not talking that they were like waiting for a good plan to. Have the people vote someone out and what We're talking it's Bruja running in at night, lockstep murdering and eliminating their foes. They're they're working in tandem. They're not killing mortals, they're targeting that supernatural element.
2: The great thing is uh, is how crazy Russia was at this time. They could totally get away with it too. Like there's there's not a lot of worry about breaching the masquerade when everything is in chaos.
1: It's it's a total takeover. It's Bruja like you always feared they would be that if they unite and they have a purpose and then their heart's in it. And they believe in it. And everyone knows what they are here to do. They get it done. And that's exactly what they do. Now, what stops all this is that as the Bruhag Council comes in, they have a hold, and stuff Well, calms down into their reign now, as you kind of got to live in fear with it. Even the Guru had to understand the power they brought to bear. There's just too many to do something about it, at least initially. It was like a lightning raid. When By the time the Silver Fangs start directing that energy towards figuring it out, and knowing that they're losing kinfolk, which is a scary thing, you know, you want to pull them out. That's how you make more werewolves. Um, Stalin enters the scene. And when uh, Stalin comes in and the whole the whole movement becomes industrialization.
2: Well, this is super interesting, right? Because Stalin's not like the Lenin that the Brujah were trying to prop up or the right. people that the Bonars are trying to prop up. Now, the venture came in from behind, overhand right smack across the jaw. Here's Stalin. He just ousted your dude. We love him. He's going he's gonna to change everything, and he's going to do it the Ventrue way through industrialization.
1: Here's the thing. When people start disappearing under your new leadership, <laughs> folks know there's something going on, right? And it's, it's Stalin that decided that modern industry was what the Soviet Union needed to compete with the rest of the world, period, at any cost. And that's, what's, that's what starts happening. And the Bruja allowed this corruption to occur, as they say. And, mm-hmm. and the Guru just struggled to avert it. That's all they could do, is try to stop it. Because with the Bruja now paving the way opening that door the worm's right behind them. because the worm's coming in with the with the mortals saying hey it's okay it's time for prosperity right it's time for everybody to have uh pepsi cola and coca-cola <laughs> right all these good things the west is great it's where we were we're over here now let's let's see what happens and it's uh, uh, it, it's it's terrible
2: for gaia like they, they couldn't have picked a worse person with a worse plan uh pentex of course is like mr smithers dithering their fingers you know together with excellent and bringing in all kinds of business And exploiting every single natural resource that this giant land has with no qualms
1: whatsoever. And now with that being said, uh, we promised you an even bigger jump. And we're going to do that because I'm going to tell you, they make this all make sense to bullet points. It was smart of them to do this They put a timeline of Russia in here since the beginning of communism. This is where it gets the most exciting anyway. This is where a lot of things start happening and fluctuating almost uh, every five years or so. Uh, Most times less than that, actually. And uh, in this course of ping pong, you start seeing what happens to even the rise of Baba Yaga coming back. And uh, great events on here. And that timeline's badass because if you're trying to run a chronicle out of here, you want to know what's going on. Um, in addition to that, you get the World War II down to a timeline uh, that's in here as well. And that helps a lot. In fact, I would argue that if you're going to run a chronicle and you want to do it something on World War II and have something in there, which is, uh, is a fun thing to do, I think, um, especially if you like uh, Wolfenstein or games like that. It's always, I'm a fan of that series um this is the way to do it you can see what goes on with the internet now you can look up these wars makes it incredibly easy for any storyteller or player to research a war and understand what happened in it do due diligence write a little smart story couple game sessions have a blast with it and uh that's a it's a good thing it's good to be the heroes hopefully right some wrongs in your life at least in game um now with all that being said i want to look at something that you're gonna have to get <laughs> to get used to this aspect space is not escapable in this book right i'm gonna give a head nod to it real quick they talk about wolves and cosmonauts and the first people to be on Earth and actually go out there. <laughs> this is my the favorite father.
2: entry of all time in any book.
1: Oh no, you're golden! I will not steal your thunder.
2: And so what happens is uh, the the Russians, as we all know in, in, in history, they send the uh, the cosmonauts up into space, and then uh, and then the cosmonauts at some point can't just stay in space, right? They got to come back down. They come back down, but their capsule happens to land in siberia so it comes flying out of the sky giant parachute and they hit the ground only to be discovered by a pack of red talons and the red talons circling this this capsule and see what's happening right this massive corrupt uh weaver tech coming out of here and these these humans pouring out of it in, in a place where they absolutely don't belong and they get into a heated discussion about what they should do with these people um Half of them say, kill him. The other half say, nah, they're not doing anything. Just leave him alone. And eventually, it all comes down to a single point. And that was uh, the Red Talons thought it was a poor idea <laughs> to attack humans trying to leave the planet.
1: <laughs> I, we going to kill them? Well, they're leaving. We don't have to kill him. Well, what if, what if we kill it? Who are we going to kill then? But well, we don't. But you can chase the parked car. No right
2: <laughs> but we should kill them no well, what if they tell the others to leave with them oh
1: <laughs> it is it is it is great um in this book at this point you're also going to read something that i'm it's probably best saved for a later explanation uh but i want to put this in your head now so it's not such of a punch to the face in a modern babiaga does wake up she does bring up the magical curtain that stops everyone leaving harder to sidestep all that we'll, we'll touch on yeah, uh, But the most important thing is that everybody thinks Baba Yaga is this gigantic evil entity, right? That she's the source of evil, that she's the reason all bad things happen in Russia to be feared and everything else. The,
2: a boogeyman. The John I, Wick.
1: I would counter, in a strong argument, her motivations are not that. Now, it is true she wants to rule everything. That much I'll give it, which is hard for a Methuselah not to, right? That's sort of what comes with being a Methuselah. You're that powerful. You s- just, just look at the Lysandra Methuselah who sits in, uh, what is it, D.C., Right. He's from Rome, saw there's a way to be, and he was going to do whatever he could to see the world that way. And um, forget his name, though. But Vatel. we'll believe it. Yeah, thank you. But good old couldn't get it done. Neither can Baba Yaga, right? She's wrote here as giving it a go, and she stands to, to easily do it. Her whole problem is that when she wakes up, she sees that there's all these people who are trying to lay waste to the land that she's in, that's hers, that she loves. She loves Russia. She always has. And when the Black Sparrows see her, they're like, Yay, you're a Binion of the Worm. And she's like, ha, ha, ha. No, right? She plays the part but it's only to use them. They're literally shock troops. Some, she doesn't like them at all. And like in, in the end, she's going to kill them. And that's the goal. Um, she wants the, her people to be prepared for the ultimate goal. It's to decontaminate cleanse and make this land. Once again, the beauty she once knew it to be, because then that's worth ruling, right? Get how that works. And that's what they, that's what she wants to do now. More on her later, but keep that in mind, because if you're thinking this is just the book where Bobby Aga is going to run through and kill everybody and that's her sovereign goal. It's not accurate, right? Because she has a great evil. She's battling, on her own right, and it's a it's a worthy one, as it said. Now, in here, also, you're gonna get an idea of what it is like to play kinfolk, all that stuff. You know, basically the the regional culture pieces they throw in there to kind of give you a feel of Russia and what it might be, at least when this book was written. However, I do due diligence. If you're gonna use this book, please look to modern as well. I'm sure there are more insights than there were back then uh, yep. that are available now. Um, but the get mages in Russia now. Why mages in Russia? Well, it's simple. There, Russia had magic in it. There were mages. Why not here? And this well, is gonna
2: be a. There's there's a good reason, right? Um, Because mages are inherently tied into this entire story, not just because White Wolf might have been trying to sell a mage supplement uh, in the future, but also um, because the history of them, Baba Yaga, and the Zmi dragons that that get released, the the mages are a cornerstone of this entire conflict. There's a a group that actually, well, kind of went after that fight, and they're called the Bogateers or Let, Bogaters. Let's, th-
1: let's tell that in order, though, right? I definitely feel that's, that's, a, that's a thing of when we talk about the Zmi, to understand them correctly, because already we got to remember, Baba Yaga summoned the Zeme. and she didn't fight them, right? Well, that's, she didn't, that, no, but the mages did. Right. And that's, yeah. that's a distinction, though. Uh, that's, that's, that's when we, it's, it's, it's an easy thing to get in, uh, backwards here. Uh, but it's because when I mention mages in Russian, you get to the mythic age here, as they're talking about, um, they, they go over every aspect as to why Baba Yaga was here mentioned the Celestial Chorus was here and was involved. They mentioned uh, that there's tons of reasons, uh, little nested egg words from Mage the Ascension that's going to be thrown and splattered in this section. Do you need Mage of the Ascension to understand it? No. Would it help if you read it? Yes. Because they don't make any, any attempt to explain some of the terminology here. Like, we know it because we, we've played Mage a bit. We know a little bit about it. I'd say a lot more than a little bit. Uh, but that helped us out. But otherwise, you're going to be looking up some of these terms, and that's okay. But just remember, this section is here. To give you an idea as to what they're doing here that goes beyond maybe the Zmi. And that's, that's straight up there because it talks about a back shadow war, right? So, in addition to the typical werewolves and their cairns and their tribe fighting, Russia and the vampires, you then have Baba Yaga versus her sire, Abbasimilard, which is what this is all about. This, this all starts there. But in addition, it's what she does to battle an antediluvian. If you thought Ravno and it took a, a, a gangbusters and, and a horrendous. Missiles from the sky and all this other nonsense, uh Botavvas and of these, all sorts of craziness yeah she she trumps them i don 't think Ravno's death is is anywhere near as as to what maybe Abisid shouldn't be alive in my opinion and uh compared to what she brought to bear and uh here 's some more evidence. you have the technocracy that gets brought in here too to do what to stop every supernal that is walking right in russia they're here too, so there's reasons to have mages in russia without us boring you to death because you may not know about it as to why they're here again we're gonna let nick retell that and get elbow deep into it uh because it is a factor here and i want want us to hurry up and get there actually is what we're trying to do all
2: right folks this is where we have to put an end to part one join us again next week where we conclude with part two of rage across russia
0: Thank you for listening to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 Years of VTM, at our email info at 25yearsvtm.com, on Facebook at slash 25yearsvtm, or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com. If you would like to support us, We can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade.